Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd, back with you for another Bible Thump. Uh, let's jump into Mark chapter 6. We'll be towards the end of this chapter, and we're going to look at one of the most iconic stories in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, um, and it's Jesus walking on water, right? Everybody knows the story, and it's different in Mark's Gospel than it is in Matthew, uh, but that shouldn't bother us. Uh, Matthew gives us the details of Peter going out uh, to meet Jesus and, you know, and and Jesus rescuing Peter as he starts to doubt and lose focus on Jesus and starts to sink, um, you know. Uh, but uh, this could be a separate instance where Jesus walked in weather another time, or it could be the same instance, but Mark gives us different details. Um, that's understandable. Different people with different perspectives will give us different accounts of events. Um, that doesn't mean one is more true than the other. I think they're told, they're both true stories from different perspectives. Um, and so each story gives us um, a unique view into the questions we've been asking in the series. Those super important questions about Jesus. Who is he? What did he do? Why does it matter? So let's look at Mark 6, starting in verse 45. And by the way, uh, Jesus has just fed the 5,000, another one of Jesus' most iconic miracles when he fed 5,000 people with just a few fish and some bread, and uh, you know, and a few rolls, essentially. Um, and so now we're going to see Jesus meet his disciples in the water. So look at Mark 6, starting in verse 45. You don't have to turn there. I'll read. Mark 6, 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea, and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and, and cried out, because they saw they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid." Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. I'm going to read on a little bit more. Read one more little story at the end of, of chapter 6 here. Mark 6.53. This comes immediately after the story of Jesus walking on the water. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried through that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe, and everyone who touched it was healed. All right, powerful story, interesting story. It gives us a lot of insight into who Jesus is, what he did, and why it matters, and then also how that connects with people, people like the disciples, people like us who might meet Jesus. Um, so I think uh, there's a few things to take note of here. One, Jesus begins this section. We find Jesus like going to a mountain to be alone, to pray, um, which is like a good point for us to stop and just go like, just sort of acknowledge the obvious. If Jesus needs to get alone to pray, like we do too, we need to set aside time to get alone, to talk to God, to communicate with him, to express our concerns, our needs, our desires, um, and and to ask him to 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 reshape us, to conform us to his will and to use us and, and to find the strength we need to get through each day. God wants to meet you in your 
uh, affliction. God wants to meet you in whatever you're going through and help you and be there for you. Uh, Jesus needed prayer, so do we. Uh, But it's well into the night, and the boat was in the middle of the sea. And Jesus sees the the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Um, This means it had been a long, hard night. In fact, Jesus meets them in the early hours of the morning. Um, So we need to stop and sort of recognize what's going on here with the disciples. They're not just out on a boat having a good time, like going from one place to the other without any difficulty. It was a rough night. Like a really rough night. Like, have you ever been up all night rowing a boat? You probably haven't. Uh, but you may have been up all night working on a project and felt like that sense of frustration and exhaustion that comes when you can't finish a project or can't fix a problem or can't get, you know, you, you're lost essentially. That's what it feels like to be rowing a boat and not making any progress. It feels like you're lost and you can't get to where you need to go. Um, the disciples were exhausted and frustrated. They're probably at each other's throats, right? When we get exhausted and frustrated or, or like really hangry, right? Uh, that's what we tend to do. We tend to snap at each other. There's certainly a lot of that going on. This was a difficult, rough night where they're rowing all night. Like nobody plans, nobody chooses to travel by boat well into the night. That's a scary place to be, right? Um, the sea, the ocean, um, these are places of mystery and... Um, like discomfort, like the idea of being out on the open water uh, is kind of scary, or it can be for a lot of people. But think about being out in the open water in the dark. Like this is before um, we had a lot of like modern inventions like uh, spotlights and and all those kinds of things. Like they were out on the dark water uh, alone on the sea. Um, It was scary. It was really scary. And they certainly thought that they certainly didn't plan this, right? They had thought that they could get across the sea uh, before before nightfall, right? And have, and get that rest that they needed too. Um, so things had not gone to plan. Um, and, uh, and Jesus meets them in their distress. Um, and we see Jesus walking toward them on the water. And this is a critical moment, right? Because Um, what should Jesus walking on the water towards the disciples in the midst of their distress, in the midst of their frustration, in the midst of their fear, what should that represent? What should Jesus walking on the water towards people in incredible difficult situation and frustrating situation, what should that represent? What do we know about Jesus up to this point? What had Jesus done? He had just fed five thousand people and uh, he had just raised the dead he had just told a um, man who was paralyzed your sins are forgiven he had just calmed a storm he had just driven demons out of a man he had just uh, restored the dignity of of so many people right and and helped them and in fact, at the end of the story, we get this at the after the story of Jesus walking on the water. Mark also shares with us the story about how um, all these people were bringing their their hurt and sick and suffering friends to Jesus just so they could touch the hem of his robes, just so they might touch his clothing and be healed. And so, Mark deliberately places this story 
of Jesus walking on the water and his disciples uh, and their reaction to him in between Jesus feeding the 5,000 and all these people just trying to touch his robes to be healed. Because we get a very distinct difference in how Jesus' disciples respond to him versus how the crowds that, you know, these people, who, these sick people who are being brought to Jesus respond to him. Um, there's two stories about miracles that Jesus did that illustrate Jesus' character. Um, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the story of all these people touching Jesus' robes and being healed indicate something to us about Jesus. And all those stories I mentioned to you about earlier, right, of him um, healing the paralytic, of casting out demons, calming the storm, all these things illustrate something about Jesus, that he's kind, that he's compassionate, that he's attentive, that he's approachable, that he's interested in us and is there to help. Jesus is a helper, and he is able to help. It's really important for us to get this about Jesus. He's a helper, and he is able to help. Sometimes you have helpers who aren't able. In other words, people who really want to help right? There's sometimes we have people in our lives who really want to help us, but they don't have the means. Like, uh, they don't have the financial means, or they don't have the margin, or, or whatever. They, they, they can't help us. They can't solve uh, what's ailing us. They can't help us in our distress. Maybe it's distance, right? They can't get to us in time. Um, or maybe it's, it's a financial uh, hiccup that keeps them from being able to help us. So sometimes you have helpers who aren't able to help. Those are great people to have around in your life, but but doesn't quite get through the trick, does it? But sometimes you have people who are able to help, but they aren't helpers. That's frustrating too, right? People who have the means, the ability, they're there, they're 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 close enough, they have the financial means to help, but they maybe they're selfish. Or they just, you know, they think, oh, I'm gonna let them learn that lesson on their own and I'm not gonna help. That can be really frustrating to have people in your life who could help but won't. Um, part of what makes Jesus remarkable is that he is ever and always both. He's always a helper, and he's always able. He's always a helper who is able to help. Jesus sees his disciples struggling, and he wanted to pass by them, the text tells us. In other words, this was a story about how Jesus uh, would meet the disciples and how he would observe their reaction to him. Like, he passes by to see, (laughs) to purposely see what the reaction's going to be. Like, are they going to reach out to him for help? How would they react to seeing Jesus the helper? Well, they were terrified. And this is not the first time they're terrified of Jesus. Remember when he calmed the storm? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Um, They're terrified. Um, Immediately, Jesus speaks to their distress. Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Isn't that a beautiful reaction to terror? In the midst of, of terror, thinking like, this guy is walking on the water. What in the world? Is this a ghost? Jesus says these beautiful words. Don't be afraid. Um, You don't have to be terrified of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is holy. Yes, he is far greater than you can imagine. Yes, he has sovereignty over the natural world and the wind and the waves obey him. And he does, in this same story, calms the wind so his disciples can get home safely. But he's a helper. You don't have to be utterly terrified of him. Yes, be in awe of him. Yes, have a reverential respect that... Uh, for him that respects his power, but um, he is a helper and he is able. Um, I, I think this makes me think of a time I worked for for someone who was really influential and like quote unquote powerful. Right? Have you ever worked for somebody or, or had a relationship with someone who was really like 
really widely known or respected or, or um, you know, influential and powerful, um, it makes you nervous to be around that person, doesn't it? Um, I remember I worked, I was an intern for someone like that, and I remember I would go in to his office and have to pitch ideas to him for, for, this, for various projects. And it was kind of like, there were times when I just like couldn't put a sentence together, you know, because it's like, he's, I would have these thoughts of like, he's so much smarter than me, so much better than me. Um, like I don't measure up, like my ideas are not good enough and he's going to see through them. And like, he's not going to want me to be his intern anymore. Like, so all this sort of like anxiety would come up. Um, and I think, I wonder if that's kind of what's going on with the disciples. I don't know, but, um, but I think there is this, this fear. You see a lot of people in the Bible, like respond to Jesus, or respond to Jesus, but also respond to, to God in the same way. Like Isaiah has this vision of God and he falls on his face and he says, woe is me, I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Um, and, you know, he realizes he's in God's presence. Um, and it's amazing in this moment, like where Jesus's disciples are terrified, his response to them is have courage. It is I. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Like, guys, it's it's me. By now you you should know me and who I am. I am a helper and I am able. As you go through life, do you remind yourself of this truth? As you face difficulty, as you face frustrating projects, as as life doesn't go the way that you want it to, um, does it help you to say, I have a helper and he is able? Think about how if you would remind yourself of those truths, that you have a helper and he is able, how that might change your perspective on some of the most frustrating and difficult circumstances you face. It wouldn't necessarily solve every problem the way you want it to be solved, but it would give you perspective, wouldn't it? Um, and then look what happens next. Jesus gets into the boat and the wind ceased. He is a helper and he is able and they were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. That's what the text tells us. Instead, their hearts are hardened. It's a really interesting story because this amazing thing happens, like their long, frustrating night, and immediately Jesus is able to solve their problem. And yet their response is that they don't get it. They didn't get what went on with the loaves. They didn't understand how that could possibly happen. And now they don't understand about the wind and Jesus walking on the water. In Mark's gospel, he's not just trying to point out that Jesus is divine, that he has authority over natural things like wind and, and, and waves and seas. Um, he's moving us to this conclusion that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one truly human one. Um, N.T. Wright says this, Somehow the remarkable things that Jesus is doing point, in Mark's mind at least, to the truth that Jesus is the truly human one, Israel's Lord, who is the world's Lord, anticipating in his rule over the wind and the wave, over bread and fish, the sovereignty that Israel believed the Messiah would have over the whole world. When the New Testament writers want to tell us that Jesus is, in some sense, divine, this is not something that something set apart from hunger, thirst, fear, sorrow, and death itself, but found mysteriously in the middle of them all. What we see now is his genuine humanness. This is the authority that humans were supposed to have over the natural world, lost forever, and, and somehow it comes back with Jesus, right? Um, lost forever with sin and death, but now it's coming back 
with Jesus. Um, you see, Jesus is the one truly human human per- person. He is humanity at its finest. He is humanity as it should have been had it had humanity not been wrecked with with sin and death. Um, and so it's sort of. I think it's a beautiful thing that in the Gospels we constantly see Jesus inserting himself into the hunger, thirst, fear, sorrow, and death of his friends and disciples. Um, and so in these moments, he's demonstrating his authority over those things, right? That he has authority over death, that he has authority over over, de- over the demons, that he has authority over people's minds and hearts, that he has a- authority in these spaces um, and he uses his authority unlike any other human being has ever used their authority. Almost every other, every well not ever, almost every other human being, even the best kings in the history of the world that were really like seemingly good kings or seemingly good leaders, they still wield their power at various times for selfish ends, right? Um, they wield their power in ways that harm other people. Jesus never does. He always wields his authority in a way that brings help in a way that brings healing, in a way that makes people whole. So why did the disciples not get it? Um, why did they not get that Jesus is the Messiah? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I think we've seen some examples from the Bible previously, like his lack of acceptance in his hometown, that familiarity breeds contempt. You've heard that saying. It's this idea that you more you hang around someone, the less, uh, maybe like the less remarkable they seem to you or um or just being around someone enough you get annoyed with them i don't i don't know i don't know but um there is a strong comparison here between the disciples and the crowds the disciples their hearts are hardened after seeing this whereas the crowds in the next story are just trying to touch his robes so that they could be healed so I think it's a good time to ask yourself, how do you respond to Jesus? How do you respond to the helper who is able to help? Uh, do you want his help? Do you Are you reaching out for his robes, or are you saying, oh, well, who's this guy? I don't get it. Whatever. Um, what's your response? I think Mark is moving us to this reality of, like, Jesus is such a king, is such a profound king that... Like we'll we'll figure out ways to discredit him because of our our human um, pride, right? We'll figure out a way to decide it's not enough, or he's not good enough, or we're not going to go his way, right? What we need here is a complete change of heart. That's what Jesus has been rep- been uh, preaching all along, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. The king is here; he's coming, and he can help. He is a helper, and he is able to help in all the right ways. Will you look to him for help? Will you receive his help? Um, And if you won't, maybe it's time to ask God to change your heart and your perspective. Um, I need that too. I need him to change my heart and perspective every day. So make that your prayer this week. Jesus, change my heart and perspective. Help me to receive your help. Help me trust that you are a helper and you are able. Thanks for your time. See you again next week.